It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Hey there, folks. It's KP Burke, and welcome back to another episode of American Loser. It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place with, well, first of all, with me as always, my Delph of a dad. Say hi, Lawrence Patrick. Good evening after everyone out there in uh, podcast land. I hear you, man. And uh, those of you who keep sending dick pics to my dad, will you knock it off already? He's a married (laughs) man. Enough. He's a married man. (laughs) But we're over at a Shared Universe podcast studio in Red Bank, New Jersey. How do you feel about the Red Bank joint, Dad? Red Bank. This is this is definitely uh, moving on up to the to the east side here. This is good. This is good stuff. I mean, um, you know, where we were was certainly higher. Every every move we make here seems to be another notch up the ladder. This is a uh, this is nice here in Red Bank. And uh, as much as we love the Bell Labs, uh, you know, it is nice to not have. Uh, a Jewish Beach Boys concert going on, or demolition, or jackhammers. Um, yeah, somebody demoing uh, concrete on the floor above you. It's uh, interesting. A praise band going off in a hallway somewhere. Yeah. Oh my God, you guys went in on Sunday, huh? We've seen some stuff, buddy. <laughs> oh, We've seen some but. stuff. And uh, loser devotees, you know that voice behind the ones and twos. Kahuna has again been killed in gangland violence. We will miss him, but. I'm pouring one out. The pour one out for mm-hmm. you guys know that guy. It's Chris Matt, our buddy and sound engineer, and also sound engineer and musician who laid down a track for an upcoming comedy album. Ooh, ooh. How, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, doing pretty well. I love this new Red Bank place. You know what? We've got molding now, not mold, molding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Huge step up. Well, we won't say. You notice we just left off a location, right? We're not gonna. There's no need to besmirch. Uh, everyone knows the deal, man. Mike and Ming do take great care of us over here at Shooting Your Podcast Studio. And again, Chris Matt's behind the ones and two, so we're going to have a good time here, folks. All right? Now, we did just get through with, um, of course, we had some complaints last week. We had a couple of complaints. Um, Dr. Tristan Vedrero was uh, letting us know that he thought it was inconsiderate of us uh, to do a, a three-hour in total episode about uh, Marquis de Lafayette. Yeah, he said it was too what was long. His, what was his problem? Yeah, it was too long. He goes, that's like three car rides for me. And I was like, oh, wow. I told him, I said, Dr. Vidrero, uh, please let me know where to send the money that this doesn't cost you to for a refund. Right, all right? right. for a we full will absolutely refund. absolutely reimburse you all the money this didn't cost you. For a full refund on your free episode. I'm teasing, man. But uh, of course, thank you so much to the founding losers, of which Dr. Vidrero is a member of. You can join them for as little as $3 a month. Uh, essentially, it boils down to the show is just a it's a buck a show. That's what we do. And we've got a absolute killer end of the month topic coming up. Um, let's just say he's, uh, you know, you made an impact when you uh, technically uh, are considered an enemy of the American cause. But also, um, we, you know, kind of took a bunch of your ideas to form our special forces. So it's a good one for the end of the month uh, topic here. We haven't given it away just yet, although some people are going to start to figure it out. 
Uh, I'm excited about that one. It is not today's episode, though. Today's episode, this is one of the free ones, folks. And we like giving stuff to you here. But there's going to be some tie-ins for that Patreon one. So if you want to get that, again, for as little as three bucks a month, go ahead and join on up. If you want to join up once and then just listen to all the back stuff and then just disappear on me forever. I mean, you could do that, too. Some people do it. Tim Rich, I know you do it. All right? That's, he doesn't think I can see that he drops and comes back on every couple of months. But anyway, we do love the people over at the Founding Losers. It means a lot to us. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, Chris, if it's okay with you, this yeah. is typically we would like to torture the kahuna here normally. Oh, of course. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm not setting you up for failure. All right. So there's no wrong answers here. You know that you've done the show I've enough times. Here. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he knows the drill. So if I told you that today's topic was a guy by the name of Cowboy Claudia Smith. Excuse me? That was made up. That's you made that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what cowboy would ever take the name Claudius? Claudius. That's a, a Roman Greek. emperor name. Oh, he was yeah. a Roman emperor. Roman emperor. And, and emperor, <laughs> emperor Claudius, rather interesting right. guy, too. Uh, he winds up taking over the throne for Caligula after Caligula gets murdered. Um, you fit in those shoes. That's... <laughs> The only reason he was left alive was because he had a, a deformity of some sort. I can't remember what it was, but he had a deformity. So when he was young, uh, Caligula's murderers decided that he was no actual threat. And then he wound up being a pretty great emperor. Yeah, we never had a good party after after Caligula left. Well, no, then, then no oddly enough, so Caligula gets murdered. Then you get Claudius. Claudius gets murdered by his own wife. Oh, crap. Right? Then uh, they bring in a guy named Nero. <laughs> so... Yeah, Rome's pretty wild. I mean, we every now and then people get depressed because, you know, whatever political party they're a part of uh, loses the White House to a member of the other party. I'm like, my God, it's all downhill from here. I was like, you should just read a little bit about Rome and the secession of power and and just be grateful that we live in such a, I don't know if we're peaceful because we're lazy or it's just a byproduct, <laughs> but we're not pulling off the crazy wild shit that the Romans were every couple of years. Absolutely so. not. No. But this guy, uh, he's probably named after um, that guy here too, but a good name like Cowboy Claudius Smith. Uh, where do you think he's going to be from in the United States? This man, he's a Smith from the United States. He, is he a like a, a Utonian from Utah? Is that something? <laughs> Smith? Uh, I, you know is what? he a Mormon cowboy? We like to have Mormon cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's... um. By the way, I'm excited that Utonian is a thing now. I didn't know that. <laughs> Chris is a traveled man, very talented musician. Seriously matters NJ, folks. Um, but uh, no, when you think of a renegade cowboy, there's always going to be that imagery that gets ev you know, evoked, right? Yippee-yi-yo-ki-yay. Exactly. Yippee-ki-yay motherfuckers, actually. <laughs> yeah, right. To make sure you have it right. But uh, it's not Christmas. We don't need to talk about Die Hard. Um, but you've always pictured these things. Uh, they're in the Southwest or the Great Plains. That's typically where you hear cowboy. You associate that with it. So uh, cowboys engaging in turf wars with each other and then often typically battling with the Native Americans. So imagine my surprise when I'm reading about this guy for our research for this episode here. It's just a little bit wild to hear that the there were cowboys in America, number one, as early as the American Revolution. Uh, also, it's strange, very strange to hear that they were conducting raids alongside Native Americans. So that, that's Native Americans and cowboys working together. This is a game I've never heard of before. What's going on? <laughs> it's a little bit different, right? It's a little bit different. Um, and it definitely throws you off a little bit here, too. Um, so they're conducting raids alongside Native Americans. And even stranger to hear that uh, these cowboys are running around uh, New York and New Jersey. Whoa, they're Northeast cowboys? That's right, man. That's it. And uh, I just thought that that would just be, uh, you know, cowboy fans, you know, bandwagon fans who, you know, they saw Aikman win a Super Bowl in the 90s and they just got <laughs> stuck with it. But uh, it's a... <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, um, but it's pretty wild here. See, it's definitely going to be a departure from our Gary Cooper, John Wayne uh, idea of uh, the Hollywood image of a cowboy here. But we're going to get started with the story of Claudius Smith, the cowboy of the Ramapos. Dad, um, where Cowboy is- of the Ramapos. Yeah, it's a pretty good name. Pretty yep, good name. <laughs> absolutely. Um, but dad, real quick, where is Claudius Smith on, let's say, January 22nd, 1779? Well, on January 22nd, 1779, our man uh, Claudius, well, he's uh, the guest of honor at a necktie party. His own. For those who don't know, (laughs) (laughs) he had a date with the hangman. And uh, (laughs) yes, he is hung to death. Hung to death, murdered, killed, executed. Not murdered. He was executed. He served his uh, sentence, if you will. There's some goofy shit going on here, too, especially when you start to try to figure out whose side and whose law is what. And don't worry, Chris, I promise there will be Game of Thrones references. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, if we try to start this guy's story on uh, January 22nd of 1779, we would realize, oh shit, we didn't go far back in time enough. Uh, and we accidentally uh, started uh, at his death. So we're going to have to go back a little bit further here. Yeah, we're going to do a little rewind here. That's, but uh, before, just to, we'll go a little in, you know, more in depth here. Uh, January 22nd, 1779. Claudius is in Goshen, New York, Dad. You know, Goshen. With, uh, uh, Goshen, New York. You used oh, to live yeah. up there. I used to be a. Uh, a uh, contributing member to the Goshen, New York community. You and an Irish setter named Tara. That's your it. Stereotype. That's it. Oh, man. I'm so glad my name isn't Sully. I bet, I bet it came up <laughs> at one point. What's your name? Sully. Sully Burke. Sully. <laughs> but uh, now Goshen, New York, he's got that appointment at the gallows. And based on the date of 1779, you know that we must be in the heat of. The American Revolution, baby. Absolutely. Kahuna, if he was here, would have been like, hang on, 17th? So they're gearing up for 1812. But maybe this is actually, because Kahuna just thinks too much when he tries to get, like, I usually tell him the answer in the thing and he just, he misses it. So he's like, so hang on. So who's, hang on. Who's the the head of the Royal House of Hatsburg at this time? KP? <laughs> yeah. like, just, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. We'll pull it back. <laughs> You've got like 10, there's a decade and a decade for them is a very long time. <laughs> Oh, we miss your cahoons. Get better soon. All right. Um, but uh, again, based off that idea, so you're dealing with like American revolutionary time frame here. You got to ask, uh, who's doing the hanging here? And what are the crimes the cowboy Claudia Smith is being punished for? And it appears, Dad, you once told me this when I was talking to you. I was trying to ask questions about, uh, you hear American revolutions taught in school always sounds like a very, very positive thing. Always presented with the, the founding fathers and achieving freedom and you know, a rebirth of a nation and stuff like that. Right, the, uh, the, the birth of democracy and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely good guy stuff. As we covered uh, in the last two episodes about Marquis de Lafayette, uh, French Revolution, not as, not, didn't not go as spectacular. As quite as planned. Yeah, when it know. ends in a reign of terror and uh, power is restored via an emperor. Yeah. I don't think your democracy worked, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember asking you as a kid about the, uh, the um, Irish Civil War and you know the Irish War for Independence and stuff like that. And you gave me a quote that was, uh, it always stuck with me. Um, and it's applied a lot of the times here too. Um, many different nations other than Ireland. Oh yeah, but yeah. it's the first time I heard it. Right. One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. That's it, baby. So. <laughs> depends on, uh, depends which way you're looking. Yep, yeah. perspective. It's going to set us up here nicely though for old Claudia Smith because he's a piece of work. Because <laughs> technically he doesn't change. The world around him changes. So, Uh-oh. I think you're already picking up on it yeah, too, Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Again, one man's terrorist is another man's fr- uh, freedom fighter. The American Revolution will see a few instances of uh, this guy being a purported Robin Hood. Okay, so depending on who you're talking to, 
Cowboy Claudius Smith is like, uh, he's got his merry men out in the woods. They're doing great things. They rob the rich and feed the poor. They take care of the community. And then you got other people like, oh, you mean that war criminal, Claudius Smith? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Depends, your, again, on your perspective. Yeah, your opinion is completely contingent on your uh, where you're aligning yourself politically at the time. So, so does this man have a red and blue coat sewn together on his back, riding a horse, <laughs> trying to be rootin' tootin'? Like, I'm, I'm very confused. Uh, I can't wait to have this plays out. I want his little John to be uh, the Chappelle show little John. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> but before all this wild revolutionary nonsense kicks into high gear, the Smith family, all right, we'll go back. We started with him dying. So yeah, yeah. I'll start with his birth and we'll, we'll give you the middle here. A little Tarantino action, folks. But uh, the Smith family is a very well thought of family uh, in the area here. Claudius's father was holding such positions as constable and judge in the Suffolk County area of New York, which due to its proximity, which is less than 50 miles away from Manhattan, for those of you who don't know, you know, all three of us were three Jersey boys in here, right? We kind of knew that already, but we got listeners all over the place. As I'm finding out we got our buddy uh, Prete Gosh over in India who probably wouldn't have known this. So uh, hopefully now he does know it. And we miss you. And you're, I hope you're still doing your History of India podcast, buddy, if you can hear me. But uh, anyway, um, the Smith family, like I said, very well connected. When you're the constable and the judge, you are literally law and order. That's that's the truth. Yeah. So. Dad was uh, very much involved. And dad, I guess, would be painted as, as a good guy, but at least a law abiding citizen of the of the uh, respectable. area. Right. Respectable. Respectful. Right. Uh, and of course, they're not too, too far away from what's going to become the world's greatest city uh, in New York. So, of course, what's a constable and a judge, uh, What I should say, what makes a constable and a judge if they don't have a troublemaking son? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Seems to be. That's right, where daddy will get is. me out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> it's the old age. My dad owns a car dealership. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I don't do many impressions, but uh, did I ever tell you um, this is my impression of, uh, uh, it's pretty good. Um so here's my impression of a, an arrogant fraternity brother from an Ivy League school that just found out he's adopted. All right. Ivy League fraternity brother just found out he's adopted. <laughs> Do you have any idea who my dad is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, very, very sorry to the people. You know, we did such a scholarly effort the last two weeks. I'm sorry. I just had to have a joke and have a little there fun you on go. this one. Sorry. Put it in there. Put it in there. <laughs> Uh, but of course, uh, like we said, enter Claudius. He's going to be the troublemaking son here. Uh, reports on his appearance differ, giving him uh, one perspective uh, portrays him as an intimidating seven foot tall, absolute monster of a human being. Right. Uh, others say he was definitely a tough bruiser, but he was about five, nine. So. Yeah, there's a little little discrepancy there, but yeah, it's like when I stand next to the Kahuna, and Chris Mad's a tall guy too, and you're tall too, Dad. You know, yeah. um, but uh, when I stand next to the Kahuna, I don't I don't feel like five nine that I am is that tall anymore. Yeah. So. I don't feel like six one. It does. It just it's it's the hair. It gets me every time. My hair say. will never stand up that tall. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well uh, he's got early brushes with trouble though. That reportedly got his own mother to warn him, Claudius, if you don't change your wicked ways, you're going to die with your boots on. Yeah. More on that later. That's mother's forewarning, foreboding. Oh, yeah. And she, if your mom's saying that to you, then yeah. you got to be pretty bad. Right. So. <laughs> only your mother, only your mother's love. But uh, yeah. And uh, 
old Claudius, his his brothers. I mean, he was just a bad seed. That's all. Uh, he was the black ram- sheep of the family, if you will. A rambunctious boy. Yeah, yeah. It's almost Shakespearean, honestly. <laughs> his dad, his mo- mother, being so foretelling of his life and how it's going to be. Oh yeah, something wicked this way comes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, by the way, the two recorded heights, though, for Claudius, uh, I thought this would be worth noting here. Um, they're taken one from his muster sheet, the muster record, as he joined to fight in the French and Indian War uh, on the side of the British. Okay. Now, that's yeah, well, every, everybody a- just to jump in here. Everybody at that point is British. <laughs> so, I mean, we haven't really no good French and Indians. They're going to go. fight. Yeah, well. <laughs> In, in and around that area, they're all British. At this, at this point in time, they're British subjects. So, yeah, and there's a little a little scrap that uh, on this continent we call the French and Indian War. And uh, the British are looking for help. Um, so, they um, start to call up the various militias in the area. So, well, old Claudius, he does the right thing and joins in with the uh, his local militia unit. And it's at that point where on his... Uh, sign up record or his muster record that he's he's claimed to be five foot nine that's what they're saying so that's an official military document right so they got to say something accurate there or at least you'd hope something accurate uh at five foot nine the seven foot height is reported and documented much much later in his life on his wanted poster <laughs> yeah yeah so unfortunately if claudia smith was uh dating on uh you know all the apps uh hinge and uh, uh bumble and all that other stuff um a girl once asked me, she goes, how tall are you? And I wrote 5'9". And then she goes, like, she just unmatched with me. And I was like, oh, shit. And I realized she was 5'11". So she just didn't want to date a guy shorter than her, which, I mean, that's fine. I get it, whatever. But now if a girl asked me how tall are you, I was going to say, my military records or my wanted poster? <laughs> All right. Play up that bad boy image that's a little bit. Sick. I know. That's what we're going to have to do here. Um, that or you just make the girl feel awkward for being tall. <laughs> <laughs> How's the weather up there? It's a <laughs> Um, the, uh, the seven foot height again, probably certainly embellished because it is part of a wanted poster. And, uh, we've covered different reasons why you would, uh, make, um, a person who's wanted or at large that much more terrifying. Number one, because of the, uh, you want to create fear so that people sit there and like, oh, thank God we have institutions that are handling people like this. And then the person that eventually takes them down gets to sit there and be like, I took down the seven foot monster. Right. Um, Always a little bit of embellishment there. It's uh, it, essentially at the end of the day, it's a lot like fishing. You know, you should have seen what I pulled in the other day. <laughs> Snap the line. But uh, before his work would be considered outlaw behavior, it is very, very similar to that of uh, pirates in that uh, his tactics and his actions didn't change, but the governing bodies that permitted them did. So that's kind of a, there's a lot of pirates out there that they wouldn't spend much time in port and they certainly weren't going back to England or anything like that. So they'd find out they were outlaws down the road. Hey, did you know you're an outlaw now? No, dude, I got this letter over here. That's like, yeah, that guy's dead. Yeah, that's, oh. you're actually an outlaw now. It's, oh. Yeah, well, our, our buddy Claudius, he does serve uh, with the militia in, during the French and Indian War. But uh, once that war is over and he comes back home, he's just an outlaw. He's just terrorizing the neighborhood, all of Orange County and uh, Sussex County. Um, well, what do you think he learned while he was fighting alongside the Native <laughs> right, Americans? Right. Are they pretty good at these raiding parties I keep hearing about? Yeah, so he just, he just took that to... Uh, you know, to peacetime activities, but uh, it wasn't exactly uh, peaceful. Um, and at the beginning of the Revolutionary War, now you have the British Army in New York City, and they need to be supplied 
So this is where I think your government sanctioned kind of a privateer thing comes in, uh, KP. Totally. That, uh, <laughs> um, you know, if you're an outlaw um, and you're stealing cattle and horses and that type of a thing, you're an outlaw. But now if you're stealing cattle and horses and supplying the British Army with that, well, now you're just a provisioner. <laughs> you're not an outlaw. You're just you're just helping out the the cause that you know they have to be resupplied, and he's just um, taking care of taking care of business. And that whole term cowboy, that's where all of that really came into play because cowboy or the English word cowboy really stemmed from the Spanish who early on down in Mexico with the uh, Spanish conquest. If you're taking care of cattle and you're on horseback, then you're a cowboy. And these guys now in the wilds of Orange County, New York, or northern New Jersey are uh, stealing cattle and you happen to be on horseback. So you're a cowboy. Cowboys in Jersey. Cowmen doesn't sound as good. So cowboy is perfect. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. That's a <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, they during that French and Indian War, though, you're right, Daddy is fighting under the British crown. And he's fighting alongside those native tribes. And uh, both sides are going to be learning because there's Native American tribes that fight with the French and there's Native American tribes. So there's a uh, split loyalty. It's not that pan-Indianism that uh, Tecumseh and other fellows really wanted to get going. But uh, they – you can learn a lot of stuff from these guys. They know how to fight well in the woods. They uh, – a little bit of a different idea. It would be very foolish to the Mohawk Indian tribe, <laughs> the idea of, uh, hey, so everyone wear your brightest colors. That's right. Everyone wear the same thing too, by the way. All right? We're going for choreography. <laughs> wear a nice red jacket yeah. and then white bands going across. So pretty much where the X marks the spot, that's your heart. So aim for the, <laughs> aim for the heart. <laughs> that's your target. And uh, where I want big, big hats. And just in case, and we want everyone to see and hear us coming. So I want bright colors, loud music. And then we're going to get to the end of this field where we've decided that we're just going to all point our guns at each other at the same time and fire. And the Mohawks will be like, I don't, I don't, what, why? <laughs> <laughs> and there's no ducking allowed. I mean, if you see that they're about to shoot fire, there's no ducking because that would be disgraceful. That would be dishonorable for you to kind of duck that volley, uh, you know. I think eventually somebody had a, hey, here's a good idea. Let's not stand out in the middle of the field. <laughs> and, the, of course, the Indians were, uh, or the Native Americans were not about to uh, line up side by each and uh, fire volleys at one another. Nope. They were more very fast moving, very, uh, you know, catch you off guard kind of a thing. Uh, the raiding that they're doing, obviously, is extremely successful. Proto-guerrilla warfare is what it pretty, is. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. It got a perfect example of it, too. Um, it's... That native raider style of combat, you know, it's <laughs> it's very, very effective. And uh, this is going to be adapted by the colonists, too, in a few short years when they're fighting the Redcoats in their own hopeful revolution. So you're going to have uh, the natives bar. I'm sorry, the colonists borrowing from the natives on how to fight and overthrow their opposed oppressors, which is, I mean, everybody knows a little bit of the story, but, you know, we'd have time to go crazy, crazy into it. But if we didn't have the Native American influence, uh, there is no American revolution. So... <laughs> Uh, Claudius will fight for the crown during the French and Indian War because he considered himself a loyalist. All right. Loyalist tendencies, a kinship or allegiance to England are very, very common in areas like Philadelphia, but also extremely popular in New York. New York's mayor is actually a loyalist at the time, which is funny because New York's governor is a uh, patriot who's looking for 
uh, a government of his own. No, bipartisan politics. It works out. It's yeah. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, yeah. it's important to also point out that since before there was a country, the governor and the mayor of New York have hated each other. <laughs> yeah, that, that has a long history. Oh, it's it's not getting any better. Those city slickers in the upstate boys just <laughs> can't seem to get it together. But uh, anyway, it's a wild one here. And these loyalist tendencies, like we said, it's very popular in Philadelphia. New York doesn't – New York's such a funny place because New York's not actually loyal to anybody but New York. And I'm not saying that like New York's going to fight all comers or anything like that. New York's going to sit there and be like, we're New York. You know, as long as we're making money, everybody's happy. So there's a lot of people that are definitely on the cause of the American Revolution here. But there's also people living there who are like, you know, if we go to war with England, they got the world's largest navy. We're a port city. They're really going to fuck up our whole, you know, merchant business here. You know, we're not going to be able to get the trade ships in and out. Our livelihood, man. Yeah, this is right. good. It's kind of like all those wars in, uh, you know, the mafia and stuff like that. When they go to the mattress, it's always like, oh, we're not making any money right now. We got to stop. That's really the only reason those wars stop. So... Anyway, they know that uh, that's going to be a problem here, even though they want to get rid of these English taxes. So it's you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. New York needs to make New York money. And that's why they're split pretty much down the middle around this time. So, uh, again, it's a split, split location. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do, too, with the haves and the have-nots. I mean, if you're a wealthy merchant in, living in New York City, uh, you're not going to be looking for jumping on the bandwagon for rebellion and uh, your way of life kind of a thing that, uh, hey, things are pretty good here. I've got coin in my pocket, uh, you know, the family's taken care of. And if we piss off the uh, the British and they close down our port, there goes my livelihood. So, you know, again, it's uh, it's all about the money. But they can't, we can't let them tax every part of our livelihood either. So it's yeah, stuck in the that, middle with right. you, babe. That's it. <laughs> So, um, and it's important. I, I always thought this was a great fact. One of my uh, professors at uh, Bergen Community College, where I spent uh, one semester and achieved a grade point of zero point zero. That's right. If you just <laughs> if you just show up for the lectures because you like the lectures, but then don't do any of the work because you're like, I'm not doing homework anymore. I'm a man. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm so beyond that now that I've graduated high school. Exactly. It's a uh, this one professor, he was pretty funny, though. He used to call me his goodwill hunting. Because <laughs> I would be engaged in the thing. He'd be like, oh, well, Mr. Burke, you know this from the readings, right? Oh, I didn't actually read. I just know this stuff. It's, you're, you're fun to talk to. Um, but he pointed out to me that the American Revolution, uh, really, the population of the United States at this time is divided into thirds. One third being loyalist to the crown, saying, well, hey, come on, guys, we're, we're Englishmen here. The other third saying... Well, uh, you know, we have a chance. We're still Englishmen, but we want to overthrow the government. We should have a country of our own. Uh, if we're being taxed without representation, that's kind of bullshit. And again, you by perspective, they might be known as the patriots or they might be known as the rebels. So, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, uh, they're into a revolution here. When they want to change the, uh, the status quo. And then so there's you, a third group, Dad, yep. that doesn't give a fuck that's right. about anything. Yeah, leave me alone. I'm just trying to eke out a living here, scratching, scratching the dirt. And, I'm thinking and, that's your West Pennsylvania folk. I'm thinking that's the people living out in Kentucky. Area, well, right? yeah. Again, they're they're leaving, uh, you know, hard scrabble life, uh, just trying to just trying to get along, and uh, really are not all that. Uh, politics really haven't entered their uh, number one <laughs> number one item on there. But uh, so yeah, you have your loyalists, you have your patriots, and you have uh, just leave me to frig alone and uh, let's move on. Now, I just want to I just want to live my life and leave me and my family alone. 
which uh, is the dream for the most part. So uh, uh, early mm. early tellings of the Libertarian Party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now with a background in frontier combat, a purported wicked disposition and a bad reputation, Claudius Smith will draw his line in the sand and fight alongside the Mohawks under Chief Joseph Brandt. Hang on, Chief Joseph what? Brandt. Yeah, Chief Joseph Brandt. Uh, Dad, I'm used to, I mean, we got cowboys in New York and New Jersey already. That's kind of messing with me. Why doesn't Joseph Brandt have some sort of cool name like Sitting Bull or Red Cloud or Big Kahuna? I mean, where's where's his, why does this guy just name Joseph Brandt? Well, that's because uh, he changed his name, uh, Joseph Brandt. And really the chief thing, that was really um, the uh, the white settlers that made him chief. He really wasn't a chief of his tribe, but he is a uh, Mohawk warrior. He's a tribal leader, right? not necessarily a, a chief, though. And, a, and he's a diplomat, a very intelligent guy. Um, and he is a young man at the beginnings of the uh, French and Indian War. So he's can you pull up a picture of him too? He's got a little he's got a little uh, I think you get a kick out of it once you see his face. He's got a little um um background to that thing, but his uh family as a Mohawk grew up amongst a turmoil. But what was interesting with the Mohawks is that the Mohawks the the Native American tribe, the Mohawks, were part of the Iroquois Confederacy. Now, the Iroquois Confederacy, what the hell is that? That's where initially five different Native American tribes decided that, hey, rather than be warring with one another, maybe we should form this confederation and decide things by talking it out and a little bit of diplomacy and that type of a thing. Actually, they were the oldest participatory uh, democracy formed. I, I love mean, you. What was that word? Participatory? Part, okay. That's, participatory. Yeah. You said it made it sound like it was raining earlier. Oh, sorry. Precipitatious. <laughs> should I, should I uh, spit a few more peas into the microphone for everybody at home? <laughs> and, and just so you know, too, I think some people in the background might have heard Chris having a, uh, a kahuna-like reaction, too, which we love on the show. Um, Joseph Brandt, what's the first thing you notice about the picture of him there, Chris? What is going on with this guy? <laughs> yeah. He's a he's a white looking fella. What? Now I don't know if that's just the artist's rendering of him because they were trying. To, again, this is uh, they were probably trying to portray him in a, a more. Uh, they only had one color paint. <laughs> <laughs> we're running out of umber. <laughs> uh, well, uh, this is a guy too who will eventually uh, meet with. Um, not just George Washington in person. He will meet him down the road. Uh, he also winds up meeting with King George uh, the Third. Yeah, I mean, again, he got uh, both sides. Oh yeah, well, because he was uh, that well respected in uh, within the nation here, and the Mohawks um, definitely a feared tribe, but also a very sophisticated tribe. Back to your Iroquois League, Dad. I apologize for interrupting you on that one. Yeah, the Iroquois uh, Confederacy, or Are you tell me these or the five have a nations or six nations form of government. Yeah, and actually, our own government. Um, took some um, some things from theirs. I mean, when we were trying to come up with um, uh, our setting up our form of government, um, some of the founding fathers put together a, a, a book, if you will, of what's all the different um, forms of government that we've had down through the ages, going all the way back to the ancient Greeks and everything else. But the Iroquois Confederacy definitely had an influence on some of our founding fathers as to how we came up with uh, um, some of our ideals, if you will. But again, it's the oldest 
um, democracy that was formed way the heck way back. I mean, centuries before, back in like 1570, 1600 kind of a thing is when this um, two two Native Americans got together and said, hey, rather than fighting with one another, maybe we should just kind of form this League of Nations, right? Um, and see if we can't settle our our differences and kind of come down with a one line of thought. Uh, Hiawatha, you might have a little name recognition there from uh, the Henry yeah. Wadsworth Longfellow poem. Oh, he, I thought he was a lake. Yeah, on, on the lake of Gitchigumi, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, well, he was uh, he was credited with uh, another guy, the peacemaker, um, with forming this uh, initial Iroquois Confederacy. But anyhow, um, um, Chief or Joseph Brandt is now a heavy hitter within that. He's taken under the wing of... Um, a guy that was for the British who was in charge of Indian affairs in North America. And he sent to um, the Reverend Wheelock's school, which was originally created for Native Americans. So this guy is very well educated. Uh, Reverend Wheelock's school eventually moves to New Hampshire and is renamed Dartmouth College. No shit. I didn't know that part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's got a long, a long, long history. Wow. Um, and that whole thing was supported by uh, a William Johnson, who was the British superintendent of Indian affairs. Brandt is trained in the arts and the sciences. He studies English. He speaks Hebrew, Greek, Latin. This guy probably spoke five or six different languages beyond his own, <clears throat> his own Native American tongue. So, uh, and a, a very skilled, um, a this very is a smart skilled. guy, well-rounded guy too. Here, you know, it's uh, definitely he goes against that archetype of this uh, uh, bloodlust savage. Uh, this is definitely not the guy here. You like just looking at the picture of him too, uh, Chris. You probably saw they're giving him uh, a sophisticated look. This is a learned man here. This is a, a man with dignity. You know. This Every was also painted by the English. So, right. at the same time. And uh, I believe that, well. that painting that you're looking at, I believe, was painted while he was in England and meeting with uh, King George III. So, I mean, <laughs> he was rubbing elbows with some pretty heavy hitters for the time. Um, the He was also a uh, Anglican uh, Christian so um, and was a... Um, a missionary, if you will, amongst his own native peoples for the uh, Anglican Church. Um, during the French and Indian War, um, his Iroquois Confederacy took the side of the, well, the British because um, there was a, the arch enemies of the Iroquois Confederacy were fighting with the French. So there was a natural, you know, hatred, if you will, or the friend of or the enemy of my enemy, you know, is my is my friend type of a thing. But then once the Revolutionary War rolls around, um, now the Confederacy has a split because initially the Iroquois Confederacy did not want to get involved with the American Revolution. They just viewed that as uh, British guys fighting a civil war, basically, that you got British colonists who were not happy with some other British people and they were fighting a, a civil war. With a nice, a different little perspective on our American Revolution from what you might read in your U.S. history books. English but, uh, English crime. Yeah. Um, so they didn't want to get involved, but through negotiations and backbiting and all that kind of stuff, 
the Iroquois Confederacy kind of gets split and part of it is fighting for for the British and part of them are fighting for the colonists or the patriots. So, um, but Joseph Brandt took the side of the British. So he's fighting for the British. And at the start of the American Revolution, he was one horrendous pain in the ass on the Western frontier to, to the colonists because he's, you know, leading raids, um, Cowboys, acting as guide, acting acting as guides, right? So I mean, you got NFL playoffs, folks. You got some of these uh, pro-British militia, uh, aka Claudius Smith, coming into effect. That you know now we're leading raids on on various colonist establishments. The Indian, the the Indian troubles, if you will, have been long standing, and George Washington was really getting pissed off at all of this too. That you know he sent troops up to western New York and western Pennsylvania to try to settle some of these frontier territories. But it was so vast, so expansive that there's no way that old Georgie could uh, could uh, handle all of that because he was <laughs> struggling enough with, with the British back here in the 13 colonies. The Oneida tribe, so we got a little bit of a they loser exception there. Uh, yeah, they make silverware, but uh, uh, <laughs> the Oneida tribe was part of this Iroquois confederacy who does side with the colonists. If you remember from our previous episode with Lafayette, he was very Lafayette was very instrumental in convincing the Oneida tribe to fight for the for the colonies. They call them what the the reckless horsemen or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was uh, Lafayette in the eyes of the Oneida tribe was uh, one badass warrior. And a, a little teaser for the Patreon exclusive episode. This guy's Native American name. We will not give it away just yet, but his Native American name is pretty remarkable. Uh, he is simply known to the Native Americans as the White Devil. So, for just as little as three dollars a month, you can find, <laughs> you can out, find who we're out a little about, more folks. about Lafayette. Right, that's yeah. coming next week. Yeah, and the United Tribe was also very instrumental in sending uh, men and supplies, food stuff that was desperately needed at Valley Forge, and it was Lafayette's diplomacy, if you will, that was very instrumental in that. But anyhow, getting back to Joseph Brandt. Uh, you know, he is large and in charge with leading some of these raids and guiding the British against some of these colonist uh, frontiers who might be siding with um, the colonies or the colonists, the patriots. And we then weren't going to let that shit happen. So, uh, um, you know, this is where uh, Cowboy Smith there, our, our own Claudius, gets some of his uh, training uh, as well that uh, again anybody that's disruptive to the patriot cause is a friend of the british uh, at this particular point so <laughs> it's nuts how that stuff works but uh yeah nice job on that too joseph brandt pretty cool guy maybe do a little reading on him folks yeah he is a, a little bit more he is a very interesting character and not just for the french and indian war but the revolutionary war and then later i mean once once the revolutionary war is over and the uh, the treaty is signed in Paris and the whole Indian question comes into play. Um, eventually, uh, J uh, Joseph Brent is taken care of or transported, if you will, up into the Ontario region. So he's moved out of, off of New York and Pennsylvania areas, which was their native homelands. But anyhow, that's uh, that's beyond. That's a t topic for another day. Sure is. <laughs> well, uh, again, fighting alongside 
Joseph Brandt here, is uh, Claudia Smith, cowboy Claudia Smith, who is conducting raids on Patriot troops and also civilians. That's the key. Um, his fighting alongside the feared Mohawk tribe uh, is also terrorizing the countryside in the area known as the Orange Turnpike. Orange Turnpike, Dad, is that something you maybe had driven once or twice? Oh, yeah, yeah. The Orange Turnpike, that was, a uh, you know, from the day, that was at least some semblance of a road that ran uh, quite a distance all the way up to uh, the Canadian border. So, I mean, that was a major... Good path, right? Yeah, it wasn't what quite... What a great place for an ambush, huh? <laughs> it wasn't a quite quite an interstate, but it was, you know, the best they had for the time. So, if you're lying in ambush uh, along the Orange Turnpike, some poor dirt farmer is going to come along and you're going to be able to steal cattle or horses or, you know, <laughs> rob him or beat the crap out of him. Correct. Or, um, and this is where the whole um, Claudia Smith thing starts to take on a terrorist kind of a thing, because if we got this guy, Smith, working for the British and he's going around terrorizing the neighborhood, the whole countryside, uh, everybody's living in fear of him and, and his reprisals. Um, you know, maybe I'm not going to be real eager to say hooray for George Washington and the Patriot cause that uh, I'm going to be uh, sitting at home in fear that my house is going to be ransacked by uh, old Claudia Smith and his gang. That's uh, a lot of <laughs> <laughs> it's like going to uh, an Eagles game when you're not rooting for the <laughs> There you go. Not, listen, right. you, can, you can still cheer for your team, but just do it quietly. <laughs> yeah. Right? Over there. And don't wear the jersey. Yeah. Okay? You, you might not want to wear the opposing team's jersey in the in the Eagles stadium. Well, it should be noted, though, uh, again, these uh, everything that just conjures up the image of uh, roadside bandits, right? There is a little bit of that Robin Hood thing where it's, oh, uh, uh, you know, we got some rich uh, uh, patriots or rich rebels coming through here. So we're going to rob them. We're going to give the money out to the loyalists in the area, too. Now, if you're a loyalist in the area, like you were just saying, Dad, same way if you're a patriot and you're not going to maybe be as forthcoming with that opinion, a loyalist is going to sit there and say, you know what? I know that he's robbing people. But it feels a little bit better knowing that there is an armed group out in the woods that should the loyalists like myself ever be facing reprisal or any sort of an act of, uh, of violence against us uh, for not siding with the cause of the, quote, patriots, that maybe there's a group or a gang that's going to come in and bail us out here. All right. There's a little bit. Oh, our boys are out there fighting in the way. They got our backs. It's almost uh, like a Sons of Anarchy thing. I know they're not great guys, but they seem to keep crime down. Yeah, I mean, it's, and and Smith has already established a uh, reputation as being a you know a, a headbuster, uh, an arm breaker, you know, just a, a general badass by all his robberies and everything else prior to the war. Now the war, now he's got he's got creds that uh, oh yeah, at least he's working for the British. So uh, you interestingly know. enough, though, too, historians have a hard time figuring out if he actually ever killed anyone. He definitely ordered. Stuff like that, and probably was responsible for some deaths and everything, but uh, they don't know. It's almost like a Charles Manson thing. Really? Yeah. Ooh. So they can't really prove that he himself ever killed him, but definitely a guy with violent tendencies who was robbing people and probably not being really uh, polite about it. Yeah. He's the kind of guy who'd be like, you know what to do. That's <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Right. Take him out back. Make him go away. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. Uh well, again, it's just crazy that most historians have, because that's another one, too, is that uh, Chief uh, Joseph Brandt, there's actually a while where they were, um, some people were calling him Monster Brandt, oh. because they were trying to say that he was purporting war crimes himself against the Americans. 
And then a lot of his biographers are like, well, we're not really finding a whole lot of evidence of that. But then again, is that the day when you carry out a mass murder? Is that the day you make sure to, uh, you know, keep your logs at the end of the day? It's Dear true. diary, it's today true. we massacred. Right. So it's stained in blood, you know. Dear diary, today we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to tweet. Or know, today's right? entry is written in blood. That might be a clue. Ooh, Jesus. That might be a clue. Attached is a scalp from a man. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Jesus. That's bad. What a great scrapbook. That's <laughs> What's it made out of? Who? Uh <laughs> Next question. Well, uh, regardless of the claims, though, here, uh, old cowboy Claudius is making a name for himself, and the people are doing their damnedest to avoid the feared area known as Claudius Smith's Cave, which they didn't exactly know where it was, but everybody knew it was somewhere along the Orange Turnpike that there was a cave this outlaw and his men were in. And if you traveled a little bit too far, maybe, you know, maybe you were- yeah, maybe That was their hideout. There. I mean, that was their hideout. It was their base of operations somewhere in the woods uh, along the Orange Turnpike. And this joke would do better if she was here, but uh, she's not here and the kahuna is not here. Um, so I, I think everyone at home will still appreciate it. We recently found this out, though. Claudia Smith's cave, what they believe to be the cave, uh, and what has now been officially titled his cave, um, is in Harriman Park, New York. Harriman State Park. Harriman yeah, State yeah. Park, near where my sister Carrie Burke went to summer camp. That's right. Which is where we fear her brutal life of crime began. <laughs> was the influence yeah. of Cowboy Claudia Smith. I remember her leaving for camp, just giving me a hug goodbye, telling me how much she loved me upon return. Burn me with a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> the things you learn at camp. <laughs> but this one time at band camp? No. Jesus, what are you doing? <laughs> but if you talk to loyalists in the area, like we said, Claudius is this Robin Hood guy here. If you talk to the patriots in the air, they're like, this is Bin Laden. All right. You guys can get rid of this. This dude's bad news. All right. Yeah. And in his gang, it's it's. Has a lot of parallels to the to the Taliban. That if, if these are the guys that are in large in charge and they're just, um, you know, harassing the entire neighborhood, um, you might not agree with them, but you're not going to vocally say that you don't agree with them because uh, you know there was a lot of instances where these guys, uh, uh, for instance, one night um, Claudia Smith and his cowboys raided the home of the local militia captain. Now, the militia captain is the the, uh, the patriot militia captain, this guy, Ebenezer Woodhull. Uh, while he's away, they, they come to his house and rob the home. They harass the, the wife and, uh, you know, they tell the wife that if your husband was home, he would have been dead by now. So, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that strikes a little fear in the in Joe Average. If you're not the captain of the militia, yeah, I mean, what's that gonna what's that gonna tell you? No, not a great look. And um, that same night, they continue uh, to another patriot, um, uh, Major Nathaniel Strong. Uh, this is the straw that breaks the camel back. Camel's back. <laughs> yeah, but the gang is knocking on uh, their door, breaking the windows and everything else, asking for Major Strong. Uh, Strong gets up, comes to the door, and they tell him, well, come out. We want to talk to you. Come outside. We want to talk to you. Put down the gun. We want to talk to you. He steps out onto the porch, and they shoot him dead. <gasps> so uh, there's yeah. the negotiations for uh, the way – that's the way uh, Cowboy Claudius uh, and his gang handled situations. Not much of a talker. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> and that'll happen in October of 1778. That's, uh, again, the day when – uh, Claudius's men will rob and kill well-known patriot leader, Nathaniel Strong. 
Um, which, by the way, when you try to look up Nathaniel Strong, it comes up as the wrong person on Wikipedia. Huh. Pretty goofy. He shows up as like a, a senator from Wisconsin or something instead. But uh, the death of Nathaniel Strong actually finally allows the governor of New York and founding father, uh, also member of Parliament Funkadelic, George Clinton, to be uh, – he's able to now put a price on uh, the head of our good friend here, uh, Claudia Smith. Yeah. So the cowboy's got money on his head right now. Uh, founding father, George Clinton, no relation. Correct. Okay. Parliament Funkadelic. No, that's, that's, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, the price, by the way, is uh, $1,200. That's twelve hundred dollars in seventeen seventy eight money, which doesn't sound too bad right now. That was a stimulus check for us. All right, that was a stimulus check during COVID. Um, but more importantly, here that twelve hundred dollars, when adjusted for inflation, all right, because that's twelve hundred dollars in seventeen seventy money. Uh, nowadays, adjusted for inflation, we're talking forty four thousand dollars. Yes, that is a teacher's salary. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> But a price on your head, that makes even those that kind of support you, but those who also may still be looking for a payday, all of a sudden there's that great quote from the Magnificent Seven, which is uh, uh, prices, um, uh, everything's real expensive when you're on the run. So it's uh, what was, uh, Robert Vaughn was living for seven bucks a day on a can of beans kind of a thing. Yeah. 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 Everything $7 for a can of beans. Yeah. But those guys that you're now hiding out with in some cave along the Orange Turnpike, are looking across the campfire from you and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I could steal cattle tomorrow and then bring them all the way down to New York City. Or uh, maybe if we turn the leader in. But anyhow. I uh, want it to know. look like uh, the, the <laughs> cartoons or something in the sitcoms that uh, you know, while Cowboy Claudia Smith is sleeping there in the corner one night, his men are looking at him and then all of a sudden it just turns into a giant bag of money sleeping. In the <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. The image, the mirage. It'd be a shame <laughs> if someone were to be hit by a cattle tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, the price on your head makes things more difficult for everybody here. And uh, there's a couple of legends here, though. Um, uh, first of all, this is why people kind of – we did a great episode on Nathaniel Hale. That was an important episode for me because that was the first episode when we started doing our illegal uh, broadcasting during COVID when uh, – when, you know, Ming may or may not have known that we were coming in here and uh, Ooh, using steam. Yeah, we were all in bubbles in uh, hazmat suits and everything else. Oh, yeah. well, shit, you were in Florida, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an important episode for me because I think that's such a great story. And it also ends kind of similarly here. But we got to really go into detail. Same thing with, um, you know, the, uh, the, the what was it the Culper Ring? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the spies and everything like that that Washington was putting out. Really interesting stuff. But Long Island was about as i mean mostly loyalist out there and then completely controlled by the british so you were deep 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 in the territory over there but uh it always cracks me up too because now you're in this loyalist territory you think you can let your hair down a little bit you think you can be like all right cool so we're, we're safe here right now um these raiders these loyalist raiders are in loyalist territory and you know what happens to them they get captured by Patriot Raiders who bring them back to Patriot territory. That's right. They are the flag and they have been captured, folks. All right. <laughs> and Joseph Brandt, by the way, it's a family affair, Dad. All right. You and me do. We're a father son, uh, you know, hosting a podcast. Well, Claudius, uh, he was the same. It was he a, brought his boys with him. La so familia. You got to get you know. into the uh, the family business, kids. All right. <laughs> you see that woman He's down a, there? Yeah. Go, go rob her. Yeah. That's, my yeah. number two son. He's a good earner. He's a good earner. <laughs> he steals a lot of cattle. <laughs> It's the truth. Beats the shit out of people. You look a brutzy. It's the most Italian I've ever heard him speak, folks. <laughs> We're all learning together on this one. 
But uh, yeah, they're in Long Island. They get captured by Patriot Raiders who bring them back to Goshen, New York. Uh, and that's where they're going to be executed in their own backyard. Okay. Uh, also, uh, by the way, another thing to, to mention here, Smith will be hung alongside one of his sons. Yeah, well, Goshen was where he did a lot of his marauding. So, I mean, the locals were really <laughs> like to see, like to be able to witness the next stretching of uh, they lived Claudius. in constant fear of this guy. Now he's going to die. His son's going to die next to him. Other gang members of his are going to die as Let's well. Nick next to him. It's <laughs> hmm. we we really did cover what a uh, um, it was one of our first episodes on uh, the the history of the electric chair that hangings were essentially carnivals back in the day. Yeah. And that uh, it's yeah, bring the kids tickets, bring the kids. That's right. Uh, like if we did a modern hanging right now, if we had a criminal, like let's say my sister was finally being brought to justice <laughs> and we were going to hang her. Uh, Serious Matters NJ would be playing on the stage behind her here. Kahuna <laughs> would be filming it with his camera and stuff like that. And my mom would be selling paklava. So. <laughs> Ooh, free paklava. That's right. Now we're talking. <laughs> uh, but um no, so now he is going to be hung, as we covered here on the story. Um, he's going to die alongside one of his sons, who's also a gang member, like we said. But there are a couple of legends about uh, the death and the aftermath of the death of one cowboy, Claudius Smith. Um, before I get into those, Dad, did you have anything else you wanted to say on the way out? Or No, that's, I, we, we, I'll throw in a few things here as, as we go, but uh, right. keep, your, keep, your, keep your pace. Well, this is my favorite one here. I'll start with my favorite one. They're all good, but this one's my personal favorite. The first legend is that Claudius, knowing he is about to die, he's literally on his way to the gallows. His last um, instruction, last act, if you will, on earth is to uh, have his boots removed so that he can tell his mom, you're a liar. <laughs> you told me I was going to die with my boots on. No, Here no, I am. no, mom. See, I told you so. <laughs> Barefoot. Count them pinky toes. <laughs> uh, so uh, that one's pretty wild. There, But though. his mother was still concerned that he had clean underwear on. That's <laughs> Uh, well, the second legend here is that Smith's surviving son, okay, so he had multiple sons in the gang here. This one had evaded capture. Um, he had hatched a plot in order to capture and kidnap George Clinton, the governor of New York, who was a patriot and a founding father. And uh, the governor is only ever made aware of this plot in order to um, uh, subvert it, if you will. Uh, from a letter via George Washington himself. Yeah. So when G-Dubs writes you a letter and says, hey, by the way, uh, Claudia Smith's son's coming for you. And then you sit there and you find out, oh, wow, he was. And G-Dubs is the only reason I know this. G-Dubs spies were pretty good. The culpa ring was pretty good. So um, the final legend after <laughs> this one, I, I can't tell if this is cool or creepy. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, the final legend is that after his death, the skull of the cowboy of the Ramapos, Claudia Smith, his skull is then filled with mortar and used as part of the foundation for the Goshen courthouse. That is horrifying. Yeah. So imagine going in there to pay a parking ticket and you're like, am I, am I really? <laughs> <laughs> am, am I getting cold draft on the back of my neck or, oh, wait a minute. That's uh, but yeah. That's not even brick shaped. That's the worst part. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll find a place in the, in the <laughs> wall for you to uh, fill in. A little concrete fill. <laughs> it is unbelievable. Um, but I will have to think twice about that. I've only been up in the Goshen area once or twice. Very, very nice part of the country. A um, little creepy, and it makes you wonder what other human remains are in that courthouse. But uh, <laughs> yeah, how often does that happen to the locals? Makes uh, you wonder. That's uh, Oh, we hated him. We'll put him in the courthouse. 
Yeah, that it's so strange to do that with somebody that was so hated. So I wonder if filling the skull with mortar was an act of disrespect to him. So um, mm. I, I think that's what it could be. Yeah. I, I, you know, either that or somebody was just like, listen, we need. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we ran out of everything else. All we got this skull. Yeah, dude, it's either this or we got to make a, a trip over to the quarry. So what do you want to do, folks? <laughs> <laughs> One more brick in the wall. Well, uh, let me ask you this one, Lawrence Patrick. Yeah. What else you got? I know you got something. I saw the highlighter come out, folks. That usually means he found something. Well, I was just being a, a resident of uh, of Passaic County for so many years. Um, I thought it was kind of cool, too, that um, this gang, the uh, the Claudius Smith gang, the Cowboys, they you know raided these various Patriot homes and everything else, one of which was Ringwood Manor. Ringwood Manor hey. is now a state park. State Park Ringwood, you know, uh, the the the, uh, the state park up there. Uh, that was a huge um, um, creator of cannon uh, ball, lead, lead shot, everything else. I mean, it was a major supplier to George Washington's cause. Well, they raided that. They uh, the guy who owned it was uh, uh, Robert Erskine. Uh, they ransacked his home a lot of the stuff uh was uh allegedly or reported that um his gold watch and a few other valuables were actually presented to the uh new york the mayor of new york again the mayor of new york is now a loyalist while the british government while the british army is in new york so anyhow uh, these guys are are uh, ransacking the uh, uh ringwood manor uh, i thought that was just cool that it is now a state park that those guys were in and around that entire area that just creating havoc all over the place and again trying to control the populace with fear tactics of a of a terrorist gang yeah hey man when it works it works you know <laughs> that's right um i love that love that we've been to uh ringwood manor too yeah, actually, on a, on a scout uh, uh, freezery or uh, Klondike Derby kind of a thing. Uh, Correct. Made a little day trip right after that one, too. Other trips we went on, uh, Sandy Hook, go out and check out the uh, the Twin Lights, Ooh. the old lighthouse over here. Yeah, that scouting thing really fucked me up here, folks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Could have been doing so many cooler things. <laughs> well, there you go. You didn't know that. You thought you were just spending a little extra time with your son on a Sunday. Now I got you writing a term paper once a week. There you go. <laughs> Comes back to bite you in the ass, right? Oh, man. But I thought this guy was a, an interesting character. And the fact that he was hung uh, on – we're going to lie. We're just going to say we recorded this on the 22nd. It's actually the uh, the 24th right now. But You're breaking the illusion. That's a <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it was an on this day in history thing that this popped up and we just started reading about the guy and we're like, well, okay, cowboy guy. So he's got to be out West. No. All right. But, but he definitely like was fighting the Indians alongside them. Okay. Well, he's at least American, right? Nope. No. <laughs> so it's a good story, man. I thought yeah, we might have to rename the show British loser because truly he wasn't an American loser. He was an American colonist, a British American colonist, but uh, anyhow. He yeah. was a commie apologist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was born here, though, yeah. here in the States, so your uh, your record stands. He just, he just chose the wrong side. I mean, uh, or did he? Right. <laughs> um, I'll say this, guys. Uh, it's been very fun to us. We took um, it was a little bit more lighthearted of an episode here. I know it doesn't sound lighthearted because a guy wound up uh, being hung to death. Yeah, but uh, that's American loser. Man. Yeah, that's the history has a darkness to it. But, boom, 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 yeah. that's, that's exactly. <laughs> but after writing the uh, the the full on dissertation, uh, you know, thesis 
that we did on uh, Marquis de Lafayette over the last two episodes. We decided to do something a little bit easier. Uh, you know, we want to make sure Tristan Vidrero, Dr. Tristan Vidrero, was able to concisely listen to this in one car ride. Okay. Right. Very, very important to it. Without us. riding around the block. But he, he could <laughs> do that. You could, Tristan, you could also park the car and listen on uh, – on it while you're still in the car you didn't necessarily have to end at the end of your commute also true headphones t headphones headphones um, there you go but i will say this uh we'll be back to our uh, another this is why we kind of took a now we're, i'm not saying we took it off this week we didn't take off this week we definitely scaled our um uh ambition back slightly by telling a more simpler story because the next guy we're about to talk about for the patreon is quite in depth and we have to cover all of his life because Depending on what time of his life you're talking about, he's either American hero or American bastard. And uh, revisionist history is still keeping him kind of uh, in the limelight a little bit here, too. Very, very much an interesting guy. Um, check that one out. Something kind of cool here, folks. Uh, I'm not putting you on the spot here, Chris. But real quick, plug your band. Oh, oh, man. If you guys didn't know, I'm in, my name is Chris Mad Jr. And I'm in a band called Serious Matters. Serious Matters MJ, if you didn't know. We have a live album coming out march 11th as of right now and uh, it would be awesome if you guys could go and pre-save that for us we've got some cool video related things coming out a full live concert that we couldn't do last year is getting released oh that's awesome dude. nice uh you're a fun band too to listen to i've checked Thank out some you. stuff man uh and also i happen to know you are a very talented musician as well because uh uh in the credits of uh my upcoming album which by the uh, uh, maybe i should ballpark it I'll ballpark it for him. I won't give you guys the hard set date yet, but like Q2, quarter yeah. two of the year. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Give it, give it take. It looks like um, the record company I'm working with, who's been nothing but fantastic. Um, they want to put my project out, uh, Escape from Jacksonville. They want to put that out in, excuse me, April of this year. So uh, that'll be coming out in April. Um, very much looking forward to that. Terrified because once it comes out, I know the uh, the, the creative part of me is going to sit there and say, well, now everyone's heard your jokes. So now you got to write now new what? jokes. <laughs> now you got to get all new stuff. So that'll be uh, part of the conundrum there. Uh, I do have dates coming up, though. Uh, this coming weekend, I will be at Laugh It Up Comedy Club in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, with uh, the legendary, uh, uh, well, my friend, the legendary Robert Kelly. So very, uh, very much looking forward to that. Always fun working with him. I got something else coming up. What's the one it's called? It's Red Room or it's something? It's called the Scarlet Room in Red Bank, New Jersey, February 1st at 7 p.m., I'd like to say. Yeah, that's going to be a cool one. That's uh, uh, my buddy Damien Rucci. Cool oh, guy. Damien. Uh, Damien, wonderful poet and writer. He uh, was on my podcast. No way, he's a great guy. I met him taking a writing class at Brookdale, and he used oh, to. Shit. Oh, dude, we met years ago, and he used to reek of weed, man. But like, we <laughs> <laughs> he'd write cool poetry and shit. I was really good at the short stories, so I always just liked him. He was a good dude, uh, and I admired his commitment to it. And he's funny too, so it was only a matter of time before he came into the stand-up world. So he's mixing those two things up now. So he invited me to come to a spot on that show. And, and I was like, sure, I'll, I'll you got to do it. Yeah. In between you guys writing great poems about uh, the decline of civilization or unrequited love. I'll tell some dick jokes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, that'll be very fun, too. And again, I got side splitters President's Day weekend. That's February 17th through the 20th in Tampa, Florida. I'll be down there with the great Lynn Coplets. Uh, and then I think Jacksonville. I think I'm sneaking uh, to my home away from home. Uh, for the, I want to say it's going to be the Monday night. So it's the Monday of President's Day. I think I'll be at the illustrious Rain Dogs down in the five points section of Jacksonville. We're going to try to do something special for that if we can. 
Uh, other than that, guys, uh, if you want to see me come out and do comedy in your area, if you got a club nearby, go ahead. And it does not hurt to have you mention, like, have you guys thought about bringing KP Burke out? Because I'm ready for it, folks. All right. The material's good. I've been doing this for a decade. Get me on out there if you can. The album's going to be coming out, uh, like I said, in April. Another shorter project that we did. Um, the album is called uh, uh, Live at Uncle Vinny's. It was a compilation of uh, me and about a half dozen other comics. And they pulled tracks of ours. Uh, we all did short sets, but they pulled tracks of ours. Also three uh, 800-pound Gorilla Records. That's actually going to be released on Pandora tomorrow. Ooh. So really? I think by the time this one comes out, is it possible to have this one for ready to oh, roll for tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're the best, dude. I appreciate that. So uh, if you guys are listening to this, by the time you're done listening to this, it should be that you can say uh, on Pandora, play KP Burke, and my dumb voice will pop up and you guys can hear some stuff. And uh, again, uh, the more times that gets played, the more money I make. So do me a favor. There you just, go. Please, just see if it works. Just see if it works. But um, LP, anything for the people? No, that's it. We're good. It's a damn good one here. And uh, Chris, thank you so much for uh, sitting in. It's always great to see you, my friend. Absolutely. All right. And uh, one last plug for Chris, too. Uh, I know he's a very talented musician because he did the music for my album. My intro and outro song is an original piece by Chris Mad and Christian Cordez, whoever the fuck that is. Yeah. I don't know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but guys, if you enjoy the show, go ahead and check us out here. And you don't want to miss this Patreon. We've never let the people down with Patreon. We've always given them something good. So please check that one out too. And if you just recently joined us from uh, my appearance on uh, the Tinfoil Hat uh, show with uh, Sam Tripoli. Uh, welcome, guys. Welcome to where right, we're, we're trying to redeem human history here one soul at a time, and I need all the help I can get. But guys, that was Cowboy Claudia Smith, American Loser. the day I was born.